Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. Today, we have another interview in action from the conferences that just happened down here in Miami and Orlando. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. We want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in developing the next generation of health leaders, Gordian Dynamics, Quill Health, Site, Nuance, Canaan Medical, and Current Health. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. All right, here we are for another interviews in action. There's a couple of these we didn't get to do at the HIMSS conference, and this is one of those. Today, we're going to talk with Matthew Roman, Chief Digital Strategy Officer for Duke Health, and Mike McSherry, Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder for Inc. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. It's good to finally catch up. Our schedules were kind of busy during the conference and busy since then. Thanks, Bill. Well, I'm looking forward to this. You guys did a presentation together, Improving Care Program Results with Digital Health. Let me just give people a little excerpt so they, they have an understanding of what we're going to talk about. So a little bit of this digital health value includes helping engage clinicians with their patients in ways that are replicable across team specialties. Duke implemented a digital health platform integrated with the EHR to make the rollout near seamless, easily repeatable, and using existing resources, leveraging automation when possible. This has delivered several benefits across specialties, including reduced patient appointment, no-shows, which saved hundreds of clinical hours, increased engagement with educational content, and raised program participation and new surgical patients. Those are fantastic results. Matthew, I guess we'll start with you. Tell us about the program. Tell us about what you guys did at Duke Health. Yeah, thanks, Bill. It's a pleasure to talk with you today. And Mike, nice to see you again also. So basically, this program is the first step for us in personalizing or customizing the care that we deliver to patients. We've had for many, many years, like many health systems across the country, I'm sure, have had internally developed resources and educational materials and programs that providers in our departments and divisions and clinics across our health system have had handy, but have struggled with getting these materials disseminated or distributed to the patients. And so what this tool, what this program has enabled for us is giving us a rules-based engine to automate distribution of some of those assets and then also make it much easier when, when there's not an automation ability to be able to still distribute those things, those tools or those assets to patients and leave them in the patient portal where they can be easily found and remain durable to patients for subsequent use. When I use the term digital asset here, it could be any number of things. It can be links to a web page that we've developed or we've vetted and we feel is appropriate for a patient in a certain clinical condition. It could be specific patient education materials. It could be referral to or awareness of a program that somebody else within our health system or an adjacent uh, clinical partner might have available to the patient. It could be any number of things. And so this tool is flexible to give us the opportunity to be able to deliver assets agnostic to the type of asset to patients based on rules. And then again, it gives us some flexibility to be able to deliver them rather manually too. So that's how we've been able to do this with some replication and, and um, there are specific examples uh, throughout 
about how we've gotten some adoption and uh, then be able to use these very same sort of success stories or use cases to then spread laterally into other parts of our health system. So is it any digital asset? Is it a video, website, PDF, anything? Could be any. And again, the handy thing about it is so in the old days, not very many years ago, if I walk out of a visit with my provider, I might have something on a piece of paper. It might even have a URL on it, a static URL on a piece of paper. But what we're able to, to do is deliver this content to the patients in the portal so that it's, it's active and it's interactive. And in my opinion, one of the most one of the most attractive things about it is it's somewhat personalized or customized to the patient's clinical journey. And so this is our first step in what we hope to be a long journey to making sure that the portal itself is rather customized to each individual's health journey. So that my portal is specific and unique to me and, and my health goals, and yours is specific to you and yours and the conversations that you have with your provider. This is a platform that helps us to be able to realize that. And Mike, we'll, we'll get to you in a second. Rules-based. Rules-based and automation is really interesting to me. Is it rules-based and automated based on fields from the EHR, essentially, that are triggering this? Primarily in today's world, that's the truth, yes. And so some of the rules are very, very simple. Simply, if if appointment is scheduled with this provider, then issue this asset. A simple example of that might be when, a, when we have a, a patient schedule with one of our providers for the very first time provider that that patient has never met. We will send an introductory video of that provider welcoming that patient to his or her clinic. And, and that provider will say, this is Dr. So-and-so and my background is, are, is this and my clinical interests are these and I'm looking forward to caring for you. That sort of thing. A very simple video clip just to welcome the patient to the, to the clinic, which is based on nothing more than a scheduling a visit with that particular provider, as a for instance. So, Mike, this has been the, the vision for Zelf for quite some time, but are, are you surprised at the different use cases and how people are expanding the, the use? Of yeah, we're, we're working across a dozen of provider systems now. I mean, Duke was one of our, our first several customers, and, and so we, we've been on a, a fun, you know, long journey with Matt and, and done a lot of things at Duke itself. I think, I think we did 50 different use cases or initiatives at Duke last year, and, and over the course of working with them for several years, we've done hundreds. We've integrated like 50 some different vendor solutions and it spans from articles, videos to apps or digital therapeutics to devices because not only do we prescribe things, but then we monitor the patient's usage into it. So RPM platform kits or glucometers or CPAP devices, whatever. And then more broadly, we've done meal delivery services or Amazon e-com products or Medline pre-surgical kits or transportation. So we're kind of agnostic as to what the clinical teams want to engage the patients with. And, and on some of that, if I go back a little bit to that rules-based, we do rules based against simple appointment type or the patient's clinical condition or inclusion as well as exclusion criteria. For example, you don't want to send a weight loss program to someone that's pregnant per se. But then there are a number of external databases that we can also do an eligibility check against, and, and that could be payer coverage. So let's prescribe this app when it's a clinical benefit to the patient, but also there's a covered uh, entity paying for it on behalf of that patient, or let's send it to the patient when they have the clinical eligibility, but there's a, a match for a clinical trial that might be eligible for the patient. So we're, we're not only getting more sophisticated on the targeting and engagement with the patients, but also on the breadth of different use cases or 
care interventions that, that the hospital systems want to engage patients with. It, it is a true platform in that if you had social determinants data, you could build rules off the social determinants data. If you had genomics data, you could build rules off the genomics data, and you could deliver certain, certain messages, certain assets out to those to those patients in, in in a way that that they're ready to receive it in a, a customized way. Is that is that how you're thinking about it, Matt? It really exactly how we're thinking about it. And Mike and I have talked about this for a long time. And and I think you I think you summarized it very nicely. In fact, what we're hoping to do, I use the term personalized care at the moment. And that to me is 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 to the left on the continuum of further down the continuum will become more and more precise. It's a little bit of a semantic, but uh, as we get more and more data on which to build these rules and get smarter about building our rules and get more and more of a robust asset library from which to choose, then we can get very, very granular and make this very precise to, to an individual's care journey. And so that is exactly where I hope this, this can go, is that we can, we can write rules on more data, multiple data sets, and then and then pick from a more and more robust data asset library to, uh, to provide assets to the patient. Well, talk about the clinician experience. It sounds like you're, you're saving them hours with, with no-shows. That's always a win. Increased engagement with educational content. I assume that's going to drive up uh, program or drive up outcomes and adherence to, to the care protocols that they're, they're prescribing. And just the overall participation in, in programs and stuff like that. Talk about the, the clinical experience with this in terms of saving time, in terms of their engagement with the overall program. There's a, there's a lot there, Mike, I'll start, and you might want to supplement some of my comments, but um, there's an awful lot there, actually. We build these rules with our providers, and so if you, if you use the term uh, protocolized distribution of these assets. They all, all these protocols are all these rules that allow us to automate send of assets to the patients on behalf of the providers are, are very thoroughly vetted by the provider group. And so that's the first thing. When we can, we automate the send based on the rules to allow the, the provider to not have to think about what assets are available in this particular clinical condition or situation and then not have to search the asset library for them to then make it available. And that would be the provider or an extender of the provider. So we can save time on the front end by simplifying the distribution. Mike mentioned or referenced a bit ago the monitor side. So the providers also can view into how the patients interact with these assets when they come back to, to see the patient. And so we're in Epic Shop, and so when the provider is documenting in the Epic Encounter, they have a tab on the Epic Encounter to be able to, to look into the digital care platform to see, to measure the patient. And then also, we can save time for the extenders as well, for patient education, where the extenders aren't having to look through physical file drawers for educational material or URLs to web-based content and, and such. We're able to distribute those things fairly standardly and fairly consistently. And then the last thing is, is a bit of a time savings, but it's also a potential clinical outcome bonus, and that being the empirical data and at least some of the data that's in the, in the literature is pointing this way, that an engaged patient has better outcomes. 
And so if we can enable that engagement by making resources and assets available to them at the tip of their fingers, if we can draw them into the portal with value-added content, and make it worth the effort to come into the portal with some frequency and some repetition to continuously or repeatedly or at least occasionally engage with the content that we believe is valuable, we believe we'll be able to show improved clinical outcomes. And with those improved clinical outcomes comes better financial behavior, performance, and all these other things too. So there's legacy or there's there's a, a long series of potential positive outcomes that we're measuring. Yeah. Mike, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about the experience, the, the clinician experience? Yeah, I mean, I think Matt captured much of it. We want to reduce clinical burden and we all know the burnout and the repetitive tasks. And so, as Matt said, if we can automate it as much as possible. And on, on the monitoring side, it's not Dr. John is thinking, oh, I prescribed an app to Steve last week. I wonder if he downloaded it. If, if the clinician cares about anything from that app or compliance or data, then we can trigger alerting mechanisms. So if, if threshold data is, is exceeded or you know, non-compliant or whatever, we can trigger a number of alerting mechanisms for the care team to intervene on behalf of that patient with different escalation paths. So we, we try to make it seamless to enroll the patient in, in digital experiences. And, and that could be disease state management or better prep before an appointment or surgery or consult or discharge from a certain procedure, automatically enroll them in the PT or OT rehab program, whatever. Simplify the whole onboarding experience for patients, but then be able to monitor and, and hold that compliance level data. We do great work with Matt, but holistically, we're working on dozens of provider systems, and I want to be the benchmarking of digital health effectiveness. And I want to know what diabetes app works best for age, gender, ethnicity, cultural, geo, kind of segmentations. And we're not there yet, but I want to get into more quantitative and, and algorithmic prescribing of service based upon the likely outcome that those different solutions can provide. Because so much of this is behavioral change, and that's going to play into cultural and, and different segmentation psychographics for what tools work best with different patient populations. So I'm going to, I'm going to take you down a path that a CIO would normally take you down, which is I, I don't want to implement a thousand solutions. I want to implement as few as possible. You're a platform and I'm sitting there going, all right, so you're delivering stuff into the patient portal. That's great. Can I use it to trigger other things, uh, text messages to patients and, and those kinds of things? I think conceptually the answer is yes. The whole idea, one of the, one of the big value propositions of this to us a few years ago when we first met with Mike and his team was that very uh, reusability of the platform. And, and so the ability, even the concept of being able to reuse interfaces so that I don't have to write an API to every application we want to create, we write an API to Zelf and then Zelf ups as, as a middleware in between there, is very attractive. And, and the platform play that you described, Bill, is of course attractive to us in the health system side. Yeah, especially today with the cost of systems, but also the complexity. I mean, to reduce the number of systems that you actually have to have to work with is exceptional. It's pretty exciting what you're doing. Mike, the, the last thing I want to touch on with you is that vision that you gave us for measuring the effectiveness of digital health programs. Is it just a matter of getting more data to, to identify which digital programs are more effective and amongst different demographics and, and that kind of stuff? Because that that data would be incredibly valuable to spread across the entire industry, I would think. 
Yeah, that's our goal. And it is a matter of capturing more data. I mean, there are several vendors that have launched at six, eight different systems. And so we're capturing data on knowing the enrollment rates, whether it's automated or manually prescribed and, and the engagement levels against different patient demographics and segmentations. And so it's just a matter of capturing more data to whereby we start building analytic models that, that would then give recommendations based upon that data. We were working with most of the largest IDNs in the country and, and the academics, and, and some of them are doing some clinical research. We sit at the outcome level. We, we see all the engagement and, and track the, the vitals or clinical data statistics that these devices or apps are, are creating and generating for the patient. And we're ultimately trying to marry up to outcome level data for these patients. And when we get that flywheel effect going, we think that this is only going to increasingly become more valuable as a solution, an aggregate solution for different provider systems. Matt, we'll, we'll give you the last word here. What's next for the platform? We look to expand, this is a generic answer, but I think it's actually a true answer. We look to expand in depth and in breadth. And by that, what I mean is uh, take the successful use cases that we've, we've implemented, learn from them and spread to similar uh, types of content with 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 other divisions and departments. And then we're also looking to, to expand with uh, more and more types of assets. I use the term robust digital asset library. And so that to me is actually a really important thing because to Mike's point, some patients interact and interface better with an interactive web page. Some patients will respond better or react more effectively to a PDF document or a video. And so we should be able to have a more robust library to, to deliver to patients across this platform so that we can become not only granular in our distribution of assets, but also granular in our effect and our impact. And then all along the way, we're measuring those, measuring the effect of those impacts, or the, uh, measuring the effectiveness of those assets so that we can uh, continue to build. I like Mike's analogy of flywheel. Yeah, you can almost do some A-B testing, see what works. Uh, That's right. That's phenomenal. Mike, Matt, I wanna thank you for your time. And we'll have to catch up in person at the next conference and, and see what progress you guys are making in this program. So thank you again for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Good pleasure. Another great interview. I want to thank everybody who spent time with us at the conferences. It is phenomenal that you shared your wisdom and your experience with the community, and it is greatly appreciated. We also want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders, Gordian Dynamics, Quill Health, Towsite, Nuance, Canon Medical, and Current Health. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.